Hello, my dear friends. Welcome to Painting Pictures. I'm Gabriel Roberts. <laughs> oh, Johnny Boy came from the other side of the ocean. Dungeons and dragons did he play down south in Dixie. Now in the cold Kazakh land, Johnny does dream of Dixieland and her sweet whipper. side of the ocean. Morning, Gabe. Good morning, John Moses Girdler. Welcome to Painting Pictures. Thank you for having me on Painting Pictures. Well, thank you for being here. What time is it over there in Kazakhstan? It is about 8.30 in the morning. Okay. On Friday? On Friday, 8.30 Friday morning, and it's 6.30 or so Thursday night, your time, right? That's correct. I'll look there. So what do I have to look forward to in Thursday night, oh, future traveler? It's, well, it was it was clear but cold in Kazakhstan, but I think it's not going to be quite so, quite so nippy in sunny California. No. How cold are we talking? Um, what is it now? It was, I don't know, it was around minus five, I think, last night. So not, not too bad, Gracious but... me. That's cold. So what do you got? You got, you got a big down comforter? What's your, what's your heating situation? Um, I have old Soviet-style radiators. I've got two meter-long radiators in my bedroom, and nice. I've got a base heater and a couple of big blankets that I burrow under like a like a little hibernating animal and hide until it gets warm. Uh so the radiators work, are those is that gas heat? It's steam heat, actually. Steam, right. So they they work but I have absolutely no control over them. So it's either really hot or it's not it's not warm at all. So And What's your, you're in, a, in an apartment building? Yeah, I am. What's that like? How how big is the building? It, well, I actually live, mine's a little different than the norms here. Um, because I actually live in some special apartments that are part of the university. Oh, okay. Uh, and so there's, there's a stairwell with, how many apartments are there now? I guess there's a stairwell with about 16 or 18 apartments coming off it, um, all for people who work at the university in some capacity. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. But you've got your own, you've got a single. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right on. Well, um, and you've got yourself a cup of coffee. Of course. 
And what's the, how's the coffee over there? I imagine it doesn't grow there. So are you, are you drinking something from Guatemala like, like I was this morning? Um, sometimes it depends. Um, coffee, coffee is definitely, um, not growing here, but I, there's a decent selection of imported coffees, but it's pretty expensive. So for, mm. for day to day, I've unfortunately, I've unfortunately had to join the ranks of instant coffee for day to day. Um, but, but on Saturday, Saturday and Sundays, I splurge, I splurge out and go for the, uh, go for the real coffee in my French press and I sit and enjoy it. It makes it that much sweeter that it's not instant filled. Yeah. Good for you. That's a good way to do it. I'm in a, I'm in coffee paradise over here. My dad buys coffee for the house, and uh, and that's something he he doesn't. Well, he's he doesn't really skimp on much when it comes to you know food and drink. So I'm spoiled. So I'm, what you're saying is I need to come visit you this summer or something. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you would be welcome. All righty, sit around and drink coffee and take the lids off of water coolers. <laughs> yep, that's that's pretty much a lay of the land over here. It's a typical Thursday. <laughs> All right. So I thought maybe we'd start with like a little bit of your story. I mean, I I really don't know all that much about you, and I don't. We don't have to go into too much detail, but I thought maybe we could talk about some experiences that you, you know, as you were growing up, that you felt like were, were important to you sort of becoming who you are today. Yeah, sure. So where were you uh, born? I was born in the south, the southern and easternmost province of the Netherlands, uh -huh. near the Belgian border. Um, in Lienberg, and a decent, decently sized town there. Cool. Um, and I was born there because my father was at the time in the military. Hmm. Um, the United States military? The United States military, yes. And my mom's, my, so he and my mom had been married, and um, my dad actually worked in Germany, but we lived in the Netherlands. And cool. so... He he retired shortly after, um, and we lived we lived there, kicked around there for a while, but moved back to the U.S. Um, moved back to the U.S. later on, and in the U.S. we bounced around. First, we stayed in Maine for a few months. How um, but it, how old were you when you moved back to the states? Nine ish. Nine ish. Nine, nine ten somewhere in oh, there. Wow, so that's a pretty. So you have you pro you have some you have some memories from Holland I I, I presume I I do I do cool. Um, cool. so we we skipped over to Maine because my mom's sister lived there uh -huh. and we took there for a bit um, eventually and you, have bro you have brothers yeah I've got an older and a younger brother and right. we're just right. we're just about. 23 months apart so we're we're pretty close in age oh from from the top to bottom is only 23 months uh they're 23 months older than me and 23 months younger okay than yeah me. yeah yeah that's pretty close me and my sibs are all 
we're even closer. We're 17 and, and 18 months apart. Yeah. That busy, is so, and you, busy parents. Indeed. Indeed. Um, you've got uh, a brother and a sister, right? Yes. Uh, and, brothers in the middle, sister's the oldest, I'm the youngest. Uh, baby Gabe. Yeah, it's me. But so we... Where I was, ah, so we went to Maine, lived there for just a little bit, um, and then we moved to Kentucky fairly right. quickly after. Okay. Um, and so, and from then on, I I went through middle school and high school in Kentucky. Okay. Um, and kicked around, kicked around with all of that. Yeah. And uh, ah, Kentucky was interesting. It was an, it was a very big shift and an interesting place to grow up for sure, and a different a yeah. different sort different sort of life than I was expecting or used to. Um, but after that, um, well, maybe like. Let me let me stop you there for a sec. What what was some of the biggest things that felt different after like well, I mean I guess it's always different to go move up in school but sort of coming from Holland and you're going to school there and speaking Dutch and everything. So we we spoke English primarily but some some Dutch as well. Um but uh, the biggest thing we actually I remember there is this speech therapist that I hated because the school decided we uh, we didn't speak English properly. And oh, so, really? Yeah, the which is in Kentucky. Yeah, it, it's it's what an the hell irony. They know about speaking English properly. Not a whole lot. Not a whole. <laughs> I will tell you that. Um, but there. So, and I remember having to go almost every day. I think, but I just absolutely hated her. Oh, um, wow. Because she was, she had this horrible southern accent, which oh. now I can appreciate the complexity right. of the southern accent. But at the time, I just had an irrational <laughs> anger. So there was that. The structure was completely different. Um, there were things like Ag Shop and the FFA, which were all sorts of strange and interesting. But not, not. I never really got involved with the FFA. It wasn't my my cup of tea to say. But what's FFA? <laughs> FFA is the Future Farmers of America. Oh, it's a uh, it's a high school and middle school club that the farm kids tend to join, and they have hay bale chucking contests and contests, and they're kind of like the political powerhouse of small southern high schools. Wow. So, were you? Did you feel? I mean, you're you're an artist and you strike me as sort of an outdoorsman and a, a thinker. And did you feel, uh, was it tough in, you know, like middle school and, and stuff? Like, did you have a lot of friends or? I, yeah. So I was very fortunate and I lucked out in that. Well, I was involved in the scouts, which helped with the outdoorsy. Mm. Mm hmm. Um, and so it, there's definitely definitely some hardships. I I don't think much more than the, the usual, mm -hmm. uh, much more than the usual high school middle school experience. Um, yeah. But at the time, I, I wouldn't have ever considered myself an artist at all or interested in the arts. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I I was fortunate in that. I, I was able to sort of band band together with some other transplants into the South um, 
So I, I had some really good friends and a couple who are still really close friends. Cool. Um, the majority of them, the majority of them had also moved to the south and were trying to figure out heads from tails. Yeah. Um, and so it just some really close friends that we were able to talk about the difference of the experience and nice. uh, really process it and just make it through. And so you didn't consider yourself an artist. What, how do you think you would have defined yourself back in, say, middle school to high school kind of? I mean, I, I, guess it, I feel like I, I had very little sense of self. I was into sports. And, mm -hmm. and other than that, I was sort of just trying to stay afloat in the sea of, of the social life and, and kind of eke out a, a little position of, of coolness. Yeah, and I think that's the same. I think that's absolutely the same for me. I, I'm really, I'm moderately certain that self-awareness and like any sort of self-understanding, at least for me, didn't come till I was 16 or 17. And then I started to figure out who I was as an individual a little bit. And maybe, I don't know, maybe now I finally got some more concrete idea, but it's, you know, it's still a little bit in fluctuation. Mm -hmm. um, sure. So I, I guess I don't know how I would consider myself. I was definitely, I was definitely not a jock, and yeah. definitely, I don't know. I was desperately trying not to be in the geek camp, but I think I had too much of a love for, I had too much of a love for books and other things, maybe to not be there somewhat. But yeah, I was just gonna ask. I imagine you were, you were into reading. Was that, was your whole family uh, readers? Uh, except for my younger brother, pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. but I was definitely of the of the brothers. I was the most avid, and I, especially in high school, the public library was close, and so I I was the I was the cool kid who went to the public library, That's um, awesome. with some with some of his friends and played a bit of magic and read some books. Yeah, Magic the Gathering. Do you still have cards? I still have cards. Not so many, but I still have cards. We'll have to rumble sometime. I got a few decks. All right, we'll rumble. We'll throw down. What do, What do you sling over there, Gabe? What do uh, you prefer? My best deck is a red and white combo. All right, got I a can, healthy I can dose that. of direct damage. You know, some fireballs, some lightning bolts, and then oh. uh, a couple of dragons, some angels. You're a big. Are you a big guy for the clerics, or how do you feel about the clerics? What are the? I don't remember the clerics. They they were a class of the whites. Um, I forget from which cycle they were, but they were a class of the whites that were pretty useful. They were they could heal, but they could also do some. They could also do a bit of damage, direct damage. Mm. Nice. They were maybe not so not so powerful as the uh, angels, but definitely useful. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have useful cards. You know, it's all about all about balance. It is indeed. I'm in all things, in magic decks and life in general. Yeah. So, so 16, 17, that's kind of uh, junior, junior, senior year. What, what started happening there that uh, allowed you to feel like you, did you get, were you, when were you really tall? Yeah, people don't know, you're, you're, you're quite tall. When did that happen? Oh, um, I don't remember exactly. I, I still don't think I'm that tall, but I, I'm told I am. Oh, um, you're, you're pretty tall. 16. Yeah, 6'4 now, something six, four? like that. That's above average for sure. 
Um, but I, I guess I never had any giant like growth spurt. I was actually not short, but I was definitely in the normal range probably till my last year of high school. But uh -huh. it was always, it was always a slow, gradual growth. I never yeah. like shot up inches at a time. Yeah. Um, but actually kept growing through my sophomore year of college, just like gradually eking up a little bit more at a time. Nice. Um, yeah. It, well, until you try to find clues, that's it. Yeah. But that's nice. Yeah. Um, but for what, I guess, what finally made me realize more about myself, I, um, so two, two sort of distinct summer things had a lot to do with that. Nice. I, um, so summer, I don't know, summer's always great when you're a kid and when you're older, but it's definitely, when you can travel or do something new, it's definitely awesome. So I went, um, after, when was that? After my, uh, after my freshman year of, um, after my freshman year of high school, I went on a brief trip to Romania as part of a humanitarian aid thing. Wow. And actually helped with the organization for to get my Eagle Scout badge from, uh, wow. from Scouts. And how, so, how'd you get hooked into that? There was a there was a local lady who had fled Romania. Um, wow. that friends friends of my parents, and uh, she had fled Romania um, from the communist regime back in the nineties, and ended up she and her husband ended up in Somerset where we lived at the time. Hmm. Um, and so there there was and probably still is to some degree a, a lot of issues in uh, Romania, and so we organized the we organized I helped to organize a bit of a trip and. Uh, uh, put that together and went over there for wow. a couple weeks and um, was it was that your first time back across the Atlantic since you moved to the States? It was. It cool. was. Um and for me it was really I guess it was a really a informative informative trip and it mm -hmm. I mean it left me with a lot of really good memories and um it, I got to meet some really cool people, some I couldn't even talk to, but just really cool, interesting people and see a completely different style of life than I had ever seen before. Yeah. And it, it was, I don't know, I've always been one to, I, well, I guess maybe then started my just love of the experience. You know, it might be shit at the time, but if there's a good story or a good experience to come out of it, I can, I can stick it through. Yeah. And so, you know, mixing mixing bricks to repair some grandmother's uh, house wall and making bricks out of horseshit sand and straw is, and, you know, trimming them with a big hatchet was definitely an experience. Wow. But did you one that bake them too or just kind of slop them together? They just, they dried in the sun. Uh -huh. uh, so they were just sun dried and then you slop like a thin wash of, the same material on the outside uh -huh. and it held together surprisingly well. Wow. Um, after a really bad winter or, you know, a lot of weather, it, it wear through, but it held together surprisingly well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do in a pinch. It'll do. <laughs>
<laughs> so you got to go to Romania for a few weeks in the summertime. Yeah, and it was absolutely an awesome experience. Um, I like it. got well properly drunk on cheap Romanian wine on my oh, birthday. Okay. You know, did that, had a couple of hops across the Atlantic, and really just got to visit Dracula's castle, which was awesome. Wow. And this is, this is, Dracula was a, was a real person? He was. Does he count, uh, he count Dracula? He was not Count Dracula. Um, he was <laughs> he was known as Vlad the Impaler. Ah, uh, uh-huh. that sounds familiar. Yeah, he was known as Vlad the Impaler, and he uh, had the castle in Transylvania up on top of the hill. Wow! And it was it was surrounded by it was surrounded by uh, gypsies selling all sorts of various wares, and I. Some, for some reason, I remember I haggled with one and bought this giant wooden sort of salad bowl for my mom and then realized I had to transport a giant wooden bowl back to, back, back to the plane. And so that was, that was a fun bit. But, um, yeah, so it was, it was not the sort of dark foreboding place you would expect. It was actually a really cool sort of castle structure, but not as near dark as foreboding as you'd expect in Dracula's castle. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, now you're back in Kazakhstan. There's, uh, I mean, you must feel some strong connection to that place. I guess, I mean, not that Romania and Kazakhstan are the same place, but for a lot of people, you know, it sort of falls in a similar boat if you're coming from, you know, America and, and haven't known anything else. Yeah, it's, I would say... I don't, um, there's some, it's pretty vastly different actually. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the most similar thing is sort of the, the approach for the lifestyle. Um, yeah. is definitely punctuality is not a concern. Um, why do anything today that can be done tomorrow or the day after tomorrow? Uh-huh. And, but other, there are there are some similarities, um, and but there I would say culturally um, they're they're actually pretty far apart. Uh huh. Uh huh. But something in you is is attracted to to Europe and abroad, and somehow that's a part of your part of your part of your character. So anyway, so that was one summer, and then you got went back to high school. Did other yeah. kids from your high school go? Uh, no, there was a couple. There were there was a couple. One kid from a different high school that went, um, who I knew. Uh-huh. Uh But there wasn't anyone from my high school that actually went on the same trip. Wow. Um, so it was a small. Was it a small group then? Yeah, it was a small group with mostly older people, a couple uh-huh. of doctors. Um, and a couple of doctors and like that, but mostly, definitely mostly older people who were, um, who were attending the trip. Um, so, and went back to high school and, you know, made it through another year of that fun swill. And, uh, eventually I ended up going to, uh, ended up going to Kansas actually, which is not nearly as exotic as Romania. Um, but I went to I went to Kansas to work at a scout camp for the summer. Nice. Um, and 
really on a bit of a whim and a lark. I had an uncle and an aunt who uh, who lived there, mm-hmm. and a cousin who is the same age as my younger brother, well enough. And so I, with them, um, through them, they my uncle helped me get a job at the scout camp, and I went to the scout camp to work for a summer as a lifeguard and to teach swimming. Nice. Um, and it was it was just this awesome experience where I was 15, I think I turned 16 that summer, uh-huh. uh, and this awesome experience where no one no one knew me or had any sort of preconceived notions about me, and so I could really play with and create the person who I wanted to be in yes. that. Get to be uh, that guy. Yeah, and so I definitely played with that. Um, a little bit, maybe more than I should have, about who I was and what my mysterious past was because I was 15 and wanting to impress yeah. people. Did um, you try to kind of do the slow play where you're just like, all right, I'm just not, I'm not going to like, I'm going to just be kind of a little mysterious and like, I always try to do that in new social situations. Just be like, all right, I'm going to hold, hold back a little bit, you know, I'm not going to lay it all out there. But inevitably, I, I blurt something out within an hour and, and, my hand is laid bare, but I, I, I maybe, I maybe was a bit better at eking it out. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely sort of eked it out and milked every, every drop for what it was worth. I was definitely, I, I'm big into trading. So I was like, I would, I would trade information, but giving <laughs> any, any of my closest friends can tell you that answering direct questions or giving, uh, giving information, just freely often often just doesn't com- combine with my mood and so sometimes it can be i i'm told i'm a bit difficult but you're really just uh, you're just taking advantage of perceived value <laughs> it's like oh that's apparently that's valuable to you <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna take advantage of that it's, it's gonna cost you a root beer float to find out about my childhood <laughs> Cool. So a little Kansas summer camp. That sounds awesome. All all boys though. I guess uh, all boys scouts. All boys except they uh, the scout camp was they they were pretty shrewd. They always hired a few women to uh, a women a few eighteen or nineteen year old girls to uh, work in the trading post, which is where the uh, scouts went to buy candy bars and slushies and random trinkets uh, uh-huh. to. Trip and you know if there's a pretty girl in the uh, if there's a pretty girl in the trading shop and there's a sign that says no loitering and it's fairly strictly enforced, then it's a pretty smart business strategy that they have to come in and buy something fairly regularly if they uh, want to come. Uh huh. It's funny. So the stories when you tell stories, I feel like it's always or often something out of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> just the way. Just the, I mean, I guess they probably actually called it trading post, but they, it, it is there. Yeah, it was actually the trading post, and there was, there was legitimately a side with the trading post. But uh, I don't, I wouldn't mind being a dungeon master for my team of little minions. I got into a little bit of the Dungeons and Dragons after the magic, so nice. Maybe, yeah. maybe I was more in the nerd camp than I want to admit. But oh man, that stuff's fun though. If everyone's into it and no one's i mean that's with most games if everyone buys in they're super fun it's just when you get assholes that are too cool for school that ruin the fun 
You just can't appreciate the power of the dungeon master and a six foot troll. <laughs> it is definitely a leap of faith. I mean, that I I remember one experience like at a sleepover in sixth grade, I think, of playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I'd never done it before. And you know, the guy busted out the paper and he had his dice, and and he was just spinning yarns, and our heroes were beginning a quest and. I remember sort of thinking, really? Are we seriously? We're all, we're all buying into this. But I was, I was game for sure. Absolutely. I actually, uh, yeah. Ah, I love, uh, I love me some Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe we'll have to, we'll have to drink coffee, break some water cooler lids, and play some D and D. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Um. But maybe the last point about that summer, so I got to create myself, but I also really, it was, it was really good that I, I had a lot of time where I was lifeguarded, which involved standing in the sun for long periods of time, and I needed to watch to make sure no one drowned, but other than that, I was fairly free to think and, yep. you know, my own thing, and so I, I got to, I essentially had a forced five or six hours a day where I was just standing by myself thinking um and that i think that definitely started to the started the long maturing process um yeah and made me gain a bit of perspective i was able to sort of process what was happening around me and um gain some better perspective Um, yeah that's powerful man i mean it's so important to start kind of considering the big questions and cuz you got you got to face them sooner or later. Yeah. And it's I think it was for me it was the ideal time to do it. Um the ideal time and ideal situation. I had a great boss who was game to talk about absolutely anything and cool. I could bounce questions and ideas off of and so it was it was a really perfectly placed summer for me. That's great. So, were you uh, were you raised with any sort of religious practice? Not so. It's to to a degree. Um, I but I've even when even when I was being mandated to go to religious services fairly often, I enjoyed the youth group. Um, good group of people, but I always had this sort of reserved portion of myself um, that was kind of, I guess, mixed on what any religious ideas were. My, my parents attended and still attend, actually, a Methodist church, um, okay. and, but I, I liked a lot of the people there, but there, the idea of, I guess, the idea of re- this religious uh concrete solid has never really yeah. stuck with me. I've never really been able to come to terms with um, come to terms with things once once I really started having thoughts for myself I've, yeah. I've struggled I can admire people of great faith but I've never been one myself yeah yeah it's it's I think it's a question of question I mean to really have the great faith the true great faith to me is is one that you arrive at through your own journey and your own questioning and, and yeah. So, but it sounds like you, you were, you felt free to, to 
to do that. It wasn't, uh, you weren't being forced into any, uh, or it wasn't like a struggle to kind of break free of any of that ideology or anything. No, um, I wouldn't say so. I, I was required to um, go to, you know, if I was at home, I was retired, required to go to church yeah. on Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that big of an ordeal. Um, yeah. We often we had a really cool Sunday school teacher and uh, he realized that the last thing most teenage boys want to do is uh, sit, yeah. sit in Sunday school. And yeah. so. Um, Tommy would often give us his money or a credit card and we would walk, we would walk a few blocks to the closest gas station that was open and buy donuts and milk and juice and then walk back and get there at the end of, get there at the end of everyone else's class and then we'd all have donuts and juice. And so my older brother and a friend and I usually spent most of our Sundays walking. We duck into the Catholic Church, which was on the way because they already had juice and donuts set out, and so we'd what? snag juice and donuts from swoop. the Catholic Church, and then go on to pick up juice and donuts to take back to the Methodist Church. Wow, it sounds like you guys were gaming the system a little bit. Uh, doing what we can, you know. Yeah, it's good. You gotta have room for room for kids to feel free. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I, I would definitely say I, and my parents were never restrictive about what I read, um, yeah. what I was interested in. And that was, that was really good. Um, and I, I had the advantage of being the middle child for sure. Yeah. Um, I could, I could, uh, sort of wander and do what I wanted. And as long as I didn't disappear for too long or not check in for too long, I could pretty well go where I wanted and do what I wanted. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely took great advantage to the sort of forgotten middle child syndrome, I suppose. Nice. So were there a lot of a lot of drugs and alcohol in the, the Kentucky high school kid culture? There was a lot of, um, I guess there was a lot of alcohol. There's a lot of alcohol, but the majority of drug use was definitely tobacco. Um, and... There was some, you know, some other stuff, some pot, some molly, some recreational stuff. But I, I think while I was there, while I was there, I quite honestly wasn't tapped into it for the most part. Um, and so I, I don't know. And I know a couple years after I left, uh, things were a little out of control at the high school. Um, yeah, man. I feel like we just kind of slipped through the end of some sort of era. Yeah, (laughs) maybe everyone thinks that, but boy, yeah, I look at kids these days. (laughs) These days, indeed. But but that wasn't really your that wasn't really your your mo. You weren't trying to get fucked up. No, not not the time. I was more interested in disappearing, and I was definitely interested in forgetting where I was, and that I was in Kentucky a lot of times. But I had different methods of doing it, and I was sort of the disappear into the woods for a weekend or two and handle it that way. Yeah, a lot of camping, a lot of uh, a lot of camping and a decent bit of Dungeons and Dragons and yeah. uh, between one thing and another I was able to forget that I was living in Kentucky. Um, and I, I was still an avid reader um, yeah. all the way through high school and to this day actually. And so 
in the summer I would spend, I had a hammock that was between a couple of trees on my parents' property and I could sit there all day just reading and be in my own little world. Yes. Um, what are the, what's the, uh, what's the fauna like? You remember in Kentucky? Yeah. Uh, I mean, favorite birds or anything? Favorite? I I like the whippoorwill actually. Um, whippoorwill. It's a famous. It's a famously named bird, but I don't really know it. It's it's not really a very pretty bird, uh, but it it has this habit of hiding in brush piles. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It has this habit of hiding in brush piles and uh, you know debris here and there, and so. But at, at, in the evenings and at night, you can just like hear them, especially we lived at the end of a valley that was kind of full of farms and little homes. Uh-huh. So um, you could just in the evening hear them coming all the way up the valley and cool. uh, just calling out. They make the whippoorwill call. They say their name pretty well. Cool. Um, and so just as dusk was settling, it was a, it was a nice little nice little sort of relaxing thing. Oh man, I'll bet that's a sound that'll just take you right back there if you ever hear it. Probably so. Probably so. Um, other than that, I think it's pretty much. I mean, it's pretty much a typical, um, typical eastern deciduous forest. We lived sort. We lived. I mean, on three sides, we had forests surrounding us cool. uh, within a few, within like a hundred yards or something. Uh huh. Um, we had two. I mean, and so, and maybe my favorite tree, just because we had two giant ones um, in front of our house. We had two just huge hemlock trees, eastern hemlocks. Hmm. Um, it can, which is uh, you know, it's an evergreen, uh, an evergreen. But I just, it was these two giant trees, and it would great little, great little privacy screen from the road. Hmm. Um, our house is pretty well hidden. Um, and yeah, that sounds pretty swell. Yeah. It was decent, decent little homestead there. Yeah. Um, so were you itching, were you thinking college pretty much the whole time and like, I'm going to get up, get up out of here or what? I, I was thinking I was definitely ready to get up out of there. I, uh, had a, had a rude awakening early on junior year that I actually needed to do schoolwork if I wanted to get out of it. Um, so I, I don't know. I wasn't really thinking about college or uh, thinking. I, I didn't really have any concrete thoughts about what was going to happen. Um, but with, I, was, I was very fortunate in that um, my, I don't know, my best friend's older sister went to a really cool school in Tennessee, and I had sworn six ways to hell that I was going to get out of the South. Mm -hmm. um, ended up, of course, going further south, <laughs> and uh, so ended up at Maryville, and uh, with a lot of a lot of help and encouragement from my my parents, some, but also from my best friend's family, really sort of encouraged me and pushed me to actually not be lazy, fill out the applications, get things put together. Mm -hmm. um, and so I ended up, I ended up at Maryville. Um, I thought I'd study outdoor recreation. Um, that sounds and, uh, like a good field. Yeah. And thought I'd do that and teach climbing or 
climbing, work at like a permanent summer camp, do something like that. Yeah. And uh, that changed a few times and eventually ended up in art. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. That's a great little uh, summary. You're, you're good. Yeah. You're, you're good, <clears throat> good, good fact, factoid dropper and dis- describer. Well, thank you. Sounds like a pretty good, um, pretty good childhood. Are you, are your folks still down there? Yeah, my my folks and my uh, younger brother is still kicking it in Kentucky. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're they're still there. Probably uh, every now and again they'll idly mention mention maybe moving up to Maine where my mom's sister uh, my mom's sister lives. Uh, but I I honestly don't see it happening, especially. Yeah. My younger brother's had a couple of kids now, and uh, oh, wow. so I think the uh, the grandkids are going to be a pretty solid tie to keep them um, keep them pretty close to where they're at. So, yeah. and what about older bro? He's uh he lives just outside of Louisville, Kentucky, but in Indiana, um, and he's the three of us are vastly different. He works as an accountant. Um, oh. And so he works as an accountant and grant writer, um, which is work that I think I would find mind-numbingly boring. But mm. <laughs> <laughs> he likes it. Um, he's got a he's got a swell swell job there, working at like a regional free a regional health clinic, and he does grant writing That's and accounting, um, which is important work, of course. And uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so then, then you're in college, and uh, was that your first experience with ceramica? It was my it was, uh, other than a one-off experience. Um, my general arts teacher from high school um, was actually a ceramics teacher, and he uh, he actually put us to work a couple of times. He had big orders to be fulfilled, and so he actually put us to work glazing. And uh, bribed us with pizza to glaze these giant uh, amounts of pots. Wow! And so that was my first introduction to slave labor and uh, to slave labor and ceramics. Uh-huh. And so it was, and but it was interesting. I actually talked to him. I was really interested in it and fascinated with it. My very first experience happened years before. Um, but that was maybe my first semi-adult experience, like uh-huh. junior year of high school. Um, and so my first experience with ceramics, though, was uh, that was in freshman year, spring of freshman year, and uh, we our college required us to take a intro to fine arts, and so my at. After high school, I got involved a bit with the uh, with the recreational uh, narcotics use and such. And so my my stoner friend recommended I uh, recommended that I take my class with uh, with Polly Ann Martin because she she was so cool and just down to earth and really yeah. had to understand you as a person and you know yeah. that just way that freshman freshman year of college top goes and so I I took it with uh, I took intro to fine arts with Polly Ann Um, and really from the beginning she was exactly that we spent the first uh, hour and a half class just talking to everyone everyone sat in a circle and 
Cool. We introduced ourselves and had to ask each other questions. And she just had this magic ability to get everyone from the shy, reclusive sort of kid sitting in the corner to the arrogant jock to just open up and talk and yeah. created this awesome environment. Um, cool. So we did a lot of things from making sidewalk murals to working in the ceramic studio. But at the very end of the uh, semester, we went to the ceramic studio for a few days. Um, Polly Ann is the, was the ceramics professor at Maryville. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to the ceramic studio. We spent some time playing with different ways of making things and just got to make and relax. She played some music. Yes. And an awesome experience. And so after we made it and uh, after we made everything, then she fired it. We came back and blazed it, fired it again. Um, and then sort of the wrap-up for that entire semester was Polly Ann prepared this just awesome breakfast buffet. Cool. Uh, and we everything was off of handmade dishes, and we just took the entire morning to have sort of the follow-up to what we had done earlier that semester and just wrap up. Cool. Uh, Discuss like the what the art things we liked, how how life was going, how study was going in general, um, and it was just an awesome experience for me. Um, yeah, dude, that just, is such a potent a potent combination when you're in a college environment. I mean, ceramics just absolutely knocked my socks off. And my yeah. professor was. I always forget that you have that ceramics background too. Yeah, and she was definitely more high strung than I think uh, Polly Ann. But to go from it was like this magical wonderland walking into this old big building with these giant kilns and the smells and the sounds and you know that there were these cool you know grad students kicking around and artists and people playing music and they were the studio was open twenty four seven and you had as much clay as you wanted. Um, and, you know, I love to smoke weed, so it was like this – it was just this escape from everything in this magical place to go. And, yeah, so I know that – that I mean, that's yeah, so good to get that freshman year. It's like, a, it's like a revolution. Yeah, it looks like a revolution, and you're just like, yes. Like, it's kind of just like – I feel like – I don't know. It's just like this deep guttural, like, yes, and something yeah. something really – um, and I, I real yeah, something just clicked and it was that, I mean, it was that awesome environment and, um, ours, ours was a little bit different. So Maryville isn't really an art school. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, I went there because they had a really good outdoor recreation program. What ended is up, outdoor recreation? Like rafting? Yeah. Like you get, and I worked for an outdoor recreation company all four years of college. And yeah. so I got to teach people how to climb, to spend my weekends taking hikes. Um, I can't believe to, that's a degree. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. It's it's actually – and I I didn't stay with it. I lasted in that for about about a week and a half. Um, uh-huh. It was mostly football players. I talked to my boss <laughs> at the job <laughs> – I talked to my boss at the job that I had, and Bruce is this awesome uh, – one of the – handful of just awesome mentors that I picked up at college. Um, he's, 
he founded an out. He founded this company that works really close with the college um, called Mountain Challenge, and uh, I had actually applied for a scholarship from them. I didn't get it, but Bruce really encouraged me to come hang out with them and get a job there anyway. Cool. Um, but he he pretty much told me that you know if you really want to do outdoor rec, you've got enough of a resume anyway, and if you work with us and do some other things, like you can build the resume to get the jobs you want. Right. For the most part, and he, he said he definitely said it's like I, I I see you needing something a little more intellectually challenging than what yeah. you're going to get from this program. Huh. Um, so I actually ended up in sign language interpreting for two years. Whoa! And yeah, so and um, the studio was the studio was my escape from the hellacious uh, head of the sign language interpreting department. Oh. Um, just that she was a very unhappy woman uh-huh. and she the the rep the program there has a really good reputation and my my standing theory is still that it's if you can if you can survive Peggy you can survive anything um <laughs> and so i i was in that for 2 years and definitely used it as an escape and you know smoke a bowl or two and then wander down there and it was it was different we didn't have any grad students but we had this awesome group of older ladies who were doing like continuing ed classes who would come studio and i've i've always been fortunate that i'm a a skinny little fella and uh i i activate this maternal instinct in, in nearly every women woman and so um, I, after I started hanging out there on a regular basis, I would come in and there would be like in my space, there would be like cakes oh or my God. like banana bread. Oh and then... my God. So, <laughs> I'm just like, imagining you smoking a bowl and then cruising down and just like rubbing your little hands together. What have we like, got here? Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. And they're... Just super, super kind, nice ladies um, with really interesting stories. Like, and so I would, I would get well and properly blazed, make myself a pot of coffee or tea, and then wander down there and try to hide the fact that I was blazed as hell from these ladies mm-hmm. who had openly told me they smoked half of their college away yeah. when they were when they were my age and sit down there and listen to stories and talk about different things. Um, they were, I had, I had started practicing yoga. Um, they weren't, none of them practiced yoga that first year, but a lot of them, uh, were interested in different types of Eastern philosophy. And so we talked about Eastern philosophy. One of them, uh, one of them, she and her husband worked, um, for three years in the seventies. They were actually in Afghanistan with the Peace Corps back in the 70s. And so we talked about all just everything imaginable. Um, and I had, I had realized back in high school, I was involved in a project where I built guitars and dulcimers and ukuleles. And I really realized after most of freshman year, not working with my hands, um, I, I realized that I really missed working with my hands and making something. Yeah, and that's that's when maybe this first inkling of being an artist came together when I, you know, who doesn't love to get baked and talk about philosophy and eat homemade goodies and yeah. that stirring need to make something with my hands was definitely a really strong compulsion that wasn't being met anywhere else. Yeah. 
it's crucial. I feel so good. I worked in the uh, garden today, and there's nothing. Uh, it, it settles you down so well. And yeah. I actually just bought a bunch of seeds and some potting soil to get my uh, windowsill garden. I bought it the other day, and this weekend I'm going to set down and start getting some pots ready and some seeds started. Good for you. Well, you're going to be growing in, indoors, I presume? Yeah. Uh, the growing season here won't start till maybe late April or May, but I, it's, I've got some big sunny windowsills that uh, oh. get a lot of sun in the morning, um, so I can get some herbs and maybe some cucumbers started and Ooh. get those. Nice. So that was um so I, the, the 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 overall kind of topic of this podcast is is universal juice and the idea of of you know what makes you feel alive and all right. you're kind of touching on it all over the place but um how do you how do you get it now so now you you don't get to work with your hands very much you're teaching english you're in a foreign country it's cold how do you yeah. um how do you kind of stay connected to that that feeling of being alive feeling alive yeah so travel definitely it gets my rocks off um it's definitely something that is really energizing for me yeah um and uh, different cultures and especially the culinary habits and culinary rituals of different cultures are incredibly interesting for me. Um, and so I've done, you've, you've peeked through my blog. I've done a decent bit of that. Yeah. Um, and there, there's just always something new and interesting happening here. And so that, that really helps. I've yeah. picked up a touch of photography. I still, I'm nowhere near a competent photographer, but I, you know, I walk around like a, with my Nikon, like I am, um, yeah. try to act the part until yeah. it comes becomes real. Um, and like so, Scarlett Johansson and Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Except a little different. John Moses Girdler in Kazakhstan. Yeah, absolutely. No, no Javier Bardem. Uh, unfortunately, so infilled uh, you in his arms and drink red uh, wine with you. Uh, you know, I, I I sent him an invitation, but he just said he couldn't make it to Kazakhstan. <laughs> it was a shame. It is a shame. So yeah, um, so you're getting it. You're getting it just with kind of the novelty of that of that place. Yeah, the that it helps a lot. Um, it I wouldn't say. It's completely sort of knocking, you know, knocking what needs to, or, you know, knocking it, filling it, you know, sort of knocking out that itch. Yeah. But um, I, I do that. I draw on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. Uh, and I, other than the blog, I do a decent bit of other writing, just sort of playing around, butting around with things. I actually use... I've been working on some short stories and some different ideas and actually uh, am using, I went back to my roots and are using some D&D character sheets to keep my characters organized and it was for the fun of it. Cool. Um, but uh, cool. yeah, and but definitely one thing I, uh, one thing I definitely miss is 
Um, I, I hardcore miss being in a ceramic studio. I, I yeah. every now and then I'll pick up some, uh, just like some modeling clay, and I work with some stuff, but I don't have much of an opportunity to fire things. Yeah. Um, I, I worked pretty diligently at trying to set up a sort of artist cooperative, uh, and organize some local people I knew. Um, but we had some problems getting the permits and the things we needed. And so the space that I thought we were going to get fell through, uh, back in the fall. And I haven't been able to come up, come up with anything since then. Well, that's uh, a big ask. I mean, you're over there as a foreigner to organize something like that. That's a noble endeavor, but. Yeah. So well, and it was, it was more, um, I wasn't the front man on it, but had met, because I was the foreigner, I got to meet a lot of random people, and then we all got together over a few dinners and tried to put something together, but it didn't, fortunately it didn't quite sort out, but I, it's still, I've got, I've got to know the art community here decently well. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I guess... Right now, I'm my biggest projects right now is I'm working on a commission for some friends, and I'm uh, diving into sort of Russian Russian folk design and matryoshkas and trying to find something satisfying through that right now. Inspired by the Olympics at Sochi, no doubt. Uh, actually, it started a little bit before that. I've always liked Russian nesting dolls, but yeah. I definitely really liked on the ski slope. There's that giant nesting doll that was really awesome. Yeah, wasn't that? And man, the Cyrillic patterns on the Russian uniforms were awesome. Yeah, if you saw those, I I haven't seen. I didn't see the Russian uniform. Well, oh. hello. Um. I, I didn't actually see the Russian uniforms. My TV acts as a coffee table most of the time, um, and so. But I need. I'll. I'll take a peek at those now that you mention it. Um, but and I don't know. Maybe I don't know how much you know about Kazakhstan. But I live in the northeastern part. I'm actually only about maybe 200 miles less from the Russian border. Uh huh. Um, and so, and where I live, it's actually about maybe. 55% Russian and 40% Kazakh with a mix huh. of other uh, other ethnicities in there. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's definitely a really strong Russian vibe here. Huh. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of things, working with Russians every day, hearing Russian every day, maybe sort of finally pushed me into it. And I, I really like the Cyrillic alphabet. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it comes along. So what do you think kind of overall about the the culture out there? And what are some things you feel like they do maybe better than we do over here? And, and, and maybe what are they missing? Yeah. So I, I would say that, and it's sort of a double-edged sword. So it can be really good. I think it can also be a bit bad. Um, but they do familial ties really, really strongly mm -hmm. and really well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, so I think that's really good that, that they have such a strong sense of family identity and family awareness. Um, but on the... Do the kids both, live at home like late later into their lives? Yeah, it's actually really common here to live at home until you're married until you're or married. and sometimes even until you have kids of your own. Yeah. It's not common for people to be married and still living with their parents until they have kids of their own. Um, and so that, I think, 
it but it doesn't place much responsibility on the uh, on the youth to make their own decisions. Even when they're 19 and 20, their mom can still call them if they think that they're staying out too late. Tell them to get home. And uh, yeah, uh, usually. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, and so I think that uh, that that it's the family tie is really good and really important. But I, I definitely, in my opinion, it definitely sort of delays the growing up process a little bit. Sure. Um, because there's not a lot of responsibility for their own actions. They're yeah. still um, they're still protected by the family unit and uh, family family ties and family connections are also really powerful here in terms of you know. If I if I get pulled over by the police for speeding, but my uncle has some connections with like the local right. head of the, police, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, so that uh, that that sort of it's got a lot of ups and downs. Um, I would say on that note, I would say one thing they do really well is friendships. Hmm. Uh, friendships aren't nearly as casual, I mm. think, as uh, as we make them in the states sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you have if you have a friend who you call a friend, um, that that's a really that's a really strong obligation. If you call someone your friend and your friend, it's a really strong obligation in terms of what you'll do for each other. Cool. Uh, and so that's that's a really it's a really good upside for me. I think that's something that's really positive. Um, but it does. It, again, it has a couple of downsides in that if your friend's running from the police, it's even if he did something pretty horrible or pretty wrong, then you're expected to help help out your friend regardless of what he did. So that I think it has some ups and downs there. Um, but you know, everybody always likes having good friends around. So. Yeah. Mostly, mostly positives. Um, other than that, they do. Let's see. They definitely do. Uh, they definitely do drinking really well. Uh, they've got they've got that down to a science. Um, and maybe some of the down some of the downsides. Um, one of the things I definitely miss is. While it's it's somewhat culturally diverse, it's sort of on the same spectrum culturally diverse. Uh, most of the ethnicities represented here were all part of the USSR. Yeah, it had a good like heap of you know seventy years to be yeah. sort of systemized by the USSR. Um, so it's sort of all on the same spectrum, and the majority of it. So there's the Russian. Russian is the exception. But the majority of uh, people who aren't Russian here are from Turkic roots, and so hmm. we've got a mix of, right. you know, we've got a mix of Uzbeks and Kyrgyz, and of course a lot of Kazakhs. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's all sort of on the same spectrum. Um, and for me, you know, being a Fairly, fairly liberal, left-wing individual, um, and having grown up and lived, having grown up uh, in the college environment and lived with artists and deviants of all sorts, shapes and sizes, it's uh, it's a little bit mono, not monochromatic um, necessarily, but in yeah. terms of people, but in ter- terms of what's uh, what's expected, yeah. and there's. There's really strict societal rules in terms of how you dress, what you should do, 
Um, but they're very much a closed door society. So the person that you know at work can be a completely different person in the in behind closed doors. And that happens everywhere, but I feel like here it's a much stronger Ooh, uh, yeah. sense of a public point. and a private space. Um, and so, and I, my, my personal opinion is that when you have that such a hard split, um, that you have to conform to like the, the uniform ideal that you truly are. I just don't think psychologically, I don't think that's very healthy. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely Uh, not. Does it feel, uh, does it feel backwards to you? Does it feel like? Like they're gonna, they're on their way to maybe more fullness of expression, but that they have a ways to go yet. Um, do you feel like there's young people like uh, aware of the the Western world or the you know global culture and just trying to get the heck out? Or do you think it's insulated? The young people are insulated from kind of global awareness. Yeah. So in the cities, yeah, it is. So, but let's see if we can work through it. So in, in the cities, I would say that, um, there are people who are globally aware. Yeah. Uh, and there's sort of a, there's definitely some rings of people who are globally aware who want to, um, make, uh, who want to be competitive sort of on a larger level. Um, and, in the country, in the country, and in the villages, there I would say that the global awareness maybe extends to pop videos, um, you know, music videos of pop songs yeah. and football uh, and football yeah. matches. Um, but other than that, it's not really beyond that. Um, yeah. There's some there's some strong opinions about Western society and that it might have. Uh, there, there's definitely some um, degree of wanting some parts of it, yeah. but there's also a really strong sense that there's some things that the West doesn't do correctly or that does, they don't do well. Sure. Uh, and uh, so it's it's sort of a mix, but there is there is a degree of people who are sort of more progressively minded. Um, I see it some at the university people who are. Mm-hmm pushing boundaries, trying to express themselves more. Mm-hmm. And they, they're definitely, there's a, there's sometimes some backlash from that, but there's definitely enough people pushing for it, trying for it, that I think it will happen. Cool. Um, but, you know, it might take, to get to where the U.S. Na- is now, it might take 20 or 30 years. Um, yeah. And the, the older generations definitely have some pretty solid opinions about what's acceptable and not acceptable. And there's going to be the struggle that always happens between younger and older generations with that. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that, um, I, I I think that world exposure is going to happen one way or another. I, I just think it's going to be an issue of how they, how they choose to react to that exposure. Yeah. the exposure to a larger global culture. What a weird way to end an episode, I know. But I had to cut it off somewhere. The second half of that conversation is in the preceding podcast. It's called Dastrahan.
which is a Kazakh word that uh, John Moses Girdler will define for you. Thanks to John for joining me all the way from Kazakhstan. I like saying Kazakhstan. I feel very uh, exotic and accomplished. Um, happy Friday, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. If you have any questions, you can send me an email to gaberobertsart at gmail.com. And now, a little song. Alright, this song is called Cole Tattoo. It's by Billy Ed Wheeler. It's kind of a sad song. Listening to my rubber tires whine Goodbye to Buckeye and White Sycamore I'm leaving you behind Oh, I've been a cold all my life Laying down track in the cold That's the mark of the number nine call. A little more and I'd be dead. A little more and I'd be dead. And I love the rumble. And I love the dark. I love the cool of the slate. Blue tattoo on the side.